Welcome to Shake That Soul. I'm your host, Rose Rising. This podcast is about getting in touch with your spiritual side and living intentionally. Let's get ready to laugh, ignite our creative spark, and open our minds. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 18. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope that everyone is staying safe, especially with all of the environmental calamity we have going on. It's been totally crazy lately, right? I really wanted to do an episode centered around electronic music. So in today's show, I'm doing an interview with Jake Stevenson. Jake is a music producer, audio producer, DJ, and writer. Jake also created, curated, and coordinated Night Days, which is a series of virtual festivals, which helped put artists like Emorphic on the map. Jake was previously on my writing staff back around 2018 when I was editor-in-chief for an EDM promotion company blog. In this episode, we chat about everything from music production to platonic heartbreak, festivals, raving, mental health, and the difficulties of being neurodivergent. Jake shares his viewpoint on being autistic and what has influenced him creatively to make his vaporwave albums such as Seabreeze and his spoken word collection called Points on Bandcamp. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow the podcast on whatever platform you're enjoying it on to get future notifications on episodes. And you can also follow Shake That Soul podcast on Instagram for updates. I do a combination of both solo casts and interviews about spirituality, music, and self-improvement. I appreciate your support. And I recently just posted an episode about dealing with grief, so you might want to check that out. All right, let's get into today's show. Hello, Jake. Thank you so much Hello. for being here with me today. Great to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I'm just really excited because music is my first love. And I really love to chat with other highly creative people. So yes, I'm super excited to talk to you. And, you know, there are so many different types and genres of music. And I was wondering, what made you fall in love with electronic music in particular over other types of music um just that it was unlike anything that i had ever heard of before uh i got into electronic music about 10 years ago uh when i played the forza horizon video game for the first time um and it's like as soon like like the title like the main menu theme is language by Porter Robinson, and that immediately was just like, oh, this is new, this is nice, and oh, like yes. the game opens with, I think it's like the uh, Soul Wax remix of Hey Boy Hey Girl, um, and then opens again with like the Netsky VIP remix of uh, Every Day by Rusko. Like it's just it's just a one two three punch of like electronic music that like blew me away and i was like all right this is this is something that i can definitely get into because definitely at, at the time um like five years prior like there was stuff on the rate because i was like mostly like a radio listener with the exception of like imagine dragons like where i had like al albums and stuff but um like lady gaga david Guetta, like dj snake like calvin harris especially like the radio in the five years prior to like 2013, at least where I was from, like was dominated with like electronic music stuff, but me and everyone else in the family just didn't really know what electronic music was. We just considered that pop. Mm -hmm. So when I played Forza Horizon for the first time, it's like, Oh, this is really different. Um, that was, that was really special. And that the, the bass arena soundtrack, uh, especially from Forza Horizon one, influenced me at a lot of different points like that was how i got into Madion and feed me and porter robinson and nero and and all these artists and all these things and i, I i've met i've met i've seen half of them in concert and i've met half the people I've, I've seen and just like oh wow so many just like artists and so much amazing work over the years and um yeah 
Yeah. So that was back around what 2014, if I recall. Is that when you that actually? Was, that started? was that was 2013, actually. Yeah, that oh, was 10 okay. years ago. Jesus, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> How did the time fly? So it sounds like you liked those particular artists because they were a departure from the typical pop music stuff that was on the radio. Yeah. I mean, it was something that I actually like really, like it just grabbed me and it was something that I just didn't expect that I just really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. When did you actually start producing? So there's a bit of a weird, there's a bit (laughs) of a weird timeline. So technically my earliest roots in music go as far back as 2015 because that was when uh, I was using a browser-based DAW called Soundation to make like mashups and like edits and stuff. And I sometimes I wasn't even like making them myself. I would like have a comprehensive like almost like a cue list, like put this sample here, do this thing here for these seconds, and do this this like all for like this song to make like an edit. Like I'm pretty sure in like the r slash trap subreddit in like 2016, there was a post where I like had a comprehensive outline of like what samples to put where for um, Razahel and Aerochords Titans to make a SpongeBob edit. And uh, it was just some guy who was like, yeah, no, I'll do it. And he put it up on his SoundCloud and he got like 5,000 plays and, and, he, and he ended up taking it down like months later because he just like, got away too many plays that like he just it was completely unrelated to anything else he made but like it was to the point where like like classmates of mine at the time had heard it on soundcloud but like that was you like you directed that like yes <laughs> so um so technically it was as far back as like 2015 2016 but it was it was 2018 where i was like oh like i can actually like I have GarageBand now and I can actually make things of my own volition, like, like by my own hand and like make things. And so that was when I made a few different tracks that I think like Truths Will Prevail and Media Trip and stuff like that was where I was like just starting out to make music there. I've made, so I, I made an album at the time that hasn't been released yet because it's just had one track that's been incomplete for like five years so um but yeah no like i I made it some of my earliest tracks like 2018 ish no i feel Um, you i've been writing a book for like five years (laughs) so it's just like it it takes what it takes and so you actually had to produce your music in secret right was there some kind of conflict with your parents yeah so my high school was uh like online high school um so we had me and my siblings had like mac minis uh which technically i still have in the house i just never touch it um and uh we weren't allowed to like download anything so i couldn't download GarageBand at the time why not uh, so that was that that was why because it was supposed to be like a computer strictly for school use oh, which okay, I, gotcha. I, I immediately i immediately disobeyed I was like no i'm gonna do my own thing <laughs> so that that was why like 2015 2016 i was like doing stuff like browser-based and then when i graduated in 2018 i was like okay now i'm gonna download GarageBand and i'm gonna do all this stuff um and I think like for about a year I was like poking around on the internet and like doing like different things. And that was when I met you because I wrote a, wrote a couple bits for, uh, well, di- di- well, technically it was one thing and then it was another and then it was different stuff. So, so Jake Stevenson originally wasn't even a pen name as an artist name. It was, a, it wasn't like a stage name it was actually a pen name. Um, mm-hmm that then became my artist's name, I guess. Uh, so you and, originally uh, started out as a writer, technically. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I, if, if I remember correctly, it was, I started, one of the, the big one that I wrote was about like highlighting vocalists in the electronic oh, yeah. music scene. Oh, and I that was that. any any event spread it around. Kara spread it around like a but like a bunch of people just like picked on it immediately. And was like finally someone's talking about this. Mm-hmm. And, and can you um, explain that, really quick like what that article was about so the audience knows? Uh, it was just like vocalists are like treated as like second class citizens basically because like you know um, 
like you, like vocalists could you know half produce a track or half write it or write the melodies or whatever and just because they provide vocals they don't get an and on the track they don't get collaborative identity they get a feature they get relegated to a, a mere description in a, in a video they get relegated to you know not sharing the profits and not you know taking getting the credit and not mm-hmm. getting invited to you know promo right. and that's like so that. not it's just, fair it's, <laughs> because it's, it's such not, a huge okay. component well the example aside from any event back in the day that i that i still use today is that uh faded by alan walker you know mm-hmm. that that song Who's the vocalist on that? Name the vocalist on on Faded by Alan Walker. I honestly don't can't. know. I, no, I don't know, and I feel it's like I'm Isla, an expert. It's Issel and Solheim. <laughs> it's Issel and Solheim, and you oh, wouldn't know okay. that because uh, it's not like listed anywhere except for the description of the YouTube music video. Mm-hmm. Like, right? That's that was insane to me, and it's. I, I mean, granted, it's been a while since I've looked, so I don't know if it's still the case now, but like. Like, it's just that. Like, that was perfectly emblematic of, like, this is not right at all. Like, the the vocalists, like, make figuratively and sometimes literally make the tracks as good as they are. And the entire industry as a whole, like, sideswipes them. And it's annoying as hell. So uh, that was basically what that article was about, was, like, highlighting it by, like, Mm -hmm. different examples. No, Um, I'm so glad you did that. I think a lot of vocalists are very happy about that because they do definitely deserve recognition. And even with my, you know, quick foray into learning how to sing, it is even that component of it, just learning how to sing and it is hard work. So they definitely deserve credit. Plus, you know, all the writing and stuff that goes into it as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm technically even learning that now firsthand because I've been getting more comfortable with speaking on tracks to the point where I've tried to make uh, a few covers myself at this point. And I, I had one like completely done, ready to go. And I realized I kept listening back to it. And I was like, I hate this. I hate how this sounds. I know. I like, think I hate everybody this, I hate the way. sound of my singing. Like I spent like, <laughs> I think I spent like two weeks straight, like rebuilding the entire like 10 minute song from scratch. And then I sang on it and I was just like, I don't like that. I mean, so it was a cover of Steal Something by Bring Me the Horizon. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was too much time spent on rebuilding the track to like make it go to waste. So I mean, if you want, I'll put it up on my Bandcamp page or something. Because, so you like, were essentially, you were singing it and you kept re-recording yeah, no, it no, because was, you didn't like your voice? No, no, I, I did it <laughs> in, a, in a studio too because uh, the college that I go to, uh, had a studio that they were building at the time, and I was basically the only one using it, um, aside from the person who had built the studio in the college. So I was spending that two weeks making it uh, not just on my laptop, but also in Logic Pro in the studio and recording it in the in the booth with the whole ass microphone with everything and processing that that that. Like I was doing that all myself. Um, and then you know the two weeks is up, and I, and I and I you know listen back to it. I'm just like. Wow, I still don't like the sound of my singing voice. This is uh, it's okay. It's okay. No, I can relate to that. In the beginning, I was like, I hate the sound of my voice. It it sucks. It's so (laughs) weird, you know. But you you just have to get over it. And I think over time, you just get more and more comfortable. And my advice to anyone that hates the sound of their voice, just get over yourself because if you get stuck on that you might be robbing people of an important message or beautiful art that you want to put out into the world because you're being too self-critical and you know <laughs> we're our own worst critics most of the time right yeah oh yeah <laughs> well, well yeah well that that makes me want to like release it in some form actually yeah but, you like, should no um, i think you have a great voice and i wanted to talk a little bit later about uh some of the spoken word stuff that you put out i was i was about to say yeah because like i can back you up on, on on what you said because uh for, for a while the only reason i didn't even speak on anything that i released was because i hated the sound of my speaking voice despite like literal years of everybody from family to strangers to xbox live people to whatever was like hey you have a really great voice so um, for Seabreeze, uh, I knew that I wanted to have, like, um, I was inspired by, like, uh, Imagine Dragons, like, Mercury Tour, like, spoken, like, almost, like, poetic, like, interludes in between, like, some of their songs. And it was just, like, 
just spoken, you know, awesomeness, essentially. This, like, <laughs> epic, sort of ethereal, like, I didn't even know what the fuck, like, it was just, it was just captivating as hell. And I knew that I wanted that on Seabreeze. So I think on the way back from a concert, one, one of their concerts, I, like, recorded, like, I think what would become integrated into the the title track for Seabreeze, which is just, like, me speaking in the, in the, coat closet of my house because no other room in the house you know was as soundproofed as it was right you got the acoustics going on in the closet yeah so it's literally (laughs) just me like the door can barely close because of me and the coats in there and i'm I'm recording voice (laughs) i'm recording it in a voice memo on my phone in one take you gotta do what you gotta do though right yeah and then after that i was like hey i can i actually like i can do this like i can speak on my track so like now like for for the finished version of Seabree sequel, there's like five different tracks that I, that I speak on. And like, it's just like, yeah, like I can, so like that whole bit is me. Like, yeah, I can literally back up what like you kind of just need to get over yourself and like try essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm so like, glad not, that you not did. Just, not just create, but like release in some format essentially, because like, you never know what you're going to get. And just practice. I mean, you're not going to be perfect from the beginning. Even when I go back to the first yeah. couple of episodes that I did, I honestly cringe. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, this is so terrible. But you know what? Who cares? It's like you got to put yourself yeah. out there and you got to just take the first step. And I'm exactly. really glad that you did that, though, because I enjoy your work. So, well, like, like even or even literally earlier today, someone w- uh, messaged me on Twitter and was like, "Hey, you know, I listened to Cabin in the Woods off of Seabreeze sequel, and I, I like it's so good. Like, I love it." And I was yes. like, Dude, "Thank you. That's yes, awesome. I so, love like, that. It's kind of like a like spoken that. word slash poetry as a uh, yeah former it, poetry club president. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I, I appreciate it. I technically did have a poetry class in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how well I did on it, but I remember the teacher being nice. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's it's that. But like, yeah, yeah, like Seabreeze and a cabin in the woods and like all, all that stuff. Like I wrote like when I speak, I, I wrote it myself. And like, there's a couple of things spoken word that I, that I wrote on there too that I don't directly speak and like just different things and like. Yeah, like a Seabreeze sequel is definitely going to be like way more like branching out. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to be like a sea, it's not going to be Seabreeze, but again, it's going to be like different stuff. Like the audio interludes aren't going to be quite as random. They're all going to be funneled into a more narrative purpose. And like, yeah, it's definitely going to be a longer album. It's absolutely oh, okay. going to be longer. Um, yeah, just so everybody know. knows, that's uh, Seabreeze is your, you, well, you have one and two. Those are the two albums that you have right now. Re- released recently yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. seabreeze i've been working on it for the last like two years and i finally released it actually no like a year and a half i think maybe and i finally released it this past march i released it uh it, it, how do i summarize this very quickly it's a <laughs> concept it's it's a concept album about me coming out of depression thanks to the friendship of one leia mcpherson and coming into my own worth essentially through her friendship and kindness. And I released it a week after her and I had a little bit of a platonic breakup, which is feeds into Seabreeze sequel, which is my heartbreak album about me, you know, falling out of friendship with her and trying to find and resalvage, mm-hmm. you know, my own worth and, 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 and you know, just different stuff. So Seabreeze yeah. sequel like Seabreeze has had different variants and stuff. So I think, Sampler 1.8 of Seabreeze sequel is out now. It's like 22, 23 tracks. And the final Seabreeze sequel is going to have like 32 to 35 tracks. Um, it's not done yet, but I, I'm, I, I'm working on the final tracks. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's who it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. Right. Um, well, pain I'm can really, be a great really catalyst, for right? For creativity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I had like, Technically, I've had past heartbreak in my life, but absolutely nothing on the scale of the platonic heartbreak of losing Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I can relate to that. I had somewhat of a platonic breakup. Well, I had a friend that I was really, really close to. We were like sisters. I had shared so much personal stuff with her. We we went to festivals together. We were just like really super close. And then she had just like suddenly ghosted me. 
And I tell you what, that was more painful than any of like, you know, the breakups that I had romantically because of the the level of intimacy that you have with your friends sometimes is greater than that of romantic relationships, right? Yeah, it literally is. Yeah. So I can totally relate to that. I I think that that uh, just the concept of platonic heartbreak being put into an album gives it a sense of uniqueness because everyone's focused on, oh, here's this heartbreak album. Here's this mm-hmm. heartbreak album. It's here's always the, about romance. A, yeah. Here's a 500th song about, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's the same old, uh, same old, uh, right? You know, like it's the same old, same old, but like there's like, I don't want to say there's more depth to it because mm-hmm. I don't want to just blanket shit on everybody. But like, I, I will say that there, it's a little more unique, I guess, yeah. because there's not many times where you can say, oh, this is, you know, the the heartbreak album but it's about a friend who i truly dearly loved and like considered like a soulmate essentially and mm-hmm. you know yeah well just, friends can definitely yeah. be soulmates for sure 100 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah so that's uh that's what I, that's what i've been doing recently is uh since march i've just been doing sea pre sequel well i'm excited for it to come out but yeah so i just listened i actually listened all the way through to the end of your uh spoken word uh, you know, collection points on Bandcamp, and really, yeah, I I really oh. love it. I absolutely love it because, you know, you just talk about some really personal stuff. You know, you talk about being autistic, which I really appreciate that as also being neurodivergent. I have you know ADHD and definitely can suffer from that from time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Definitely so, a lot of overlap. Yeah, and I was wondering if you could share some of the common misconceptions you think people have about autism, because I feel like people need to be educated. <laughs> um, well, when, when we say that, like, autism is like a spectrum, like, we really truly mean that. Like, it's kind of like, if you've met one autistic person then you've only met one autistic person you haven't met every autistic person like Mm -hmm. there's definitely it's like a i think someone explained to me it's like a series of knobs like tweaked to different settings Mm -hmm. it's not like you know uh, it's not like you know a point on a number line or something right it's, it's 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 much more complicated than that and like that alone is just the the sheer variety of autistic people is like more so than like other people like think it right. is. No, that makes total um, sense because you can have completely different characteristics and all with different levels of intensity. Is that a good way yeah. to describe it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, another part is that... Uh, <sighs> hmm. Self-diagnosis is, like, also valid. Um, I, I was diagnosed, like, like whole, like, I, I have, like, some copy of the paper somewhere, but, like, uh, autism and depression and anxiety. But, like, if you, like, self-diagnose, like, it can be valid um, simply because getting, like, a full-blown diagnosis can be, like, really expensive, apparently. Um, <laughs> Everything is expensive. And, uh, <laughs> But, like, hand-in-hand hand with that is, you know, I see some people being, like, you know, like, the concept of stimming can be a little misconstrued because, like, people sometimes take it to mean, like, oh, if I if I stim, you know, if I do, you know, ABC, XYZ, then that means I'm autistic. Like, it... No, it, yeah, I know no, what you mean, yeah. <laughs> because human, human beings stim. Mm-hmm. It's just the intensity and frequency at which you do stimming is an indicator of, of autism, if that, if that makes any sense, or at, least, or at least can be. Like, self-diagnosis is valid, but it also goes hand-in-hand hand with, like, you know, do your research, essentially. Yeah, well, um, we all have the access like, to WebMD, so it's, like, the same thing when you have a health issue. It's like, oh, my yeah, God, I have these symptoms, and it's, and it's so broad, and it's like, how can you know for sure? And it's it's further complicated because there's a lot of overlap with autism and ADHD. So like I was diagnosed with autism and not, not so much on the ADHD overlap, but there's still some symptoms that I have of that Mm -hmm. that I can't remember, but like, it's just, it's, it's complicated and it's complex and it just the current, even just understanding in, 
like the diagnostic fields is just like not deep enough to be like a foot. Like it's, it's just, we have so much more to learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, even people who are neurodivergent and, or autistic ourselves, like we just have so much to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I will say for me, it's been, uh, you know, it's been nice because I have a label for all the weird shit I do. <laughs> yes, um, there's a relief that comes with that, right? Because when I finally decided to go to the doctor, I was like, something's definitely up. <laughs> like, yeah. I need help because this is becoming unbearable and painful. And it's like, you finally have a name for all of the things that you do. And that's yeah. so comforting. And it like like there's not it's not something wrong with you it's something that just is you mm -hmm. like the, there's just so many things like uh, what like like I have trouble walking heel to toe and instead sometimes walk toe to heel like that's mm -hmm. that's like an autism trait or like my my favorite thing is something that I like to call well, there's a different name for it but I like to call it referential adaptation. Um, and you can actually get a little bit of a uh, little, little smattering of this depiction in the movie Baby Driver because it's basically what he does when he like you know watches like a movie or whatever and then mm -hmm. repeats a, a line later, like oh, not to like okay. not to like reference haha funny, but like because it is organic and comes up and the opportunity to use it comes up and it just comes out. Like that's what I do especially because I, I like consume so like various like either like movies or YouTube clips or whatever. Like I like it can either be, you know, like 20% of what I say or it can be like half or, or more of what I say is literally just like an obscure reference that, you know, that I pick up that I just, uh, you know, organically uh, use in conversation or something, but like more in a more broader applicable scale uh what i consider referential adaptation is you know picking up different points of various media and facets i've consumed to uh to adapt myself to different situations and contexts to better live essentially to to better know mm -hmm. whereas uh you know other stuff would be unknown or something um it's a little hard to put into words because I, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really done it in a in a, in a hot minute. Yeah, but well, it's a discovery um, process to trying to figure out what exactly is going on and how to relay yeah. it to other people. Yeah, yeah. But. So that's just yeah. There's like things like that. It's just like I don't know. Like it just <sighs> yeah. I really be, love be like it's nice to it's nice to have a label. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I really love how you said your brain, you see it as a separate entity. I can completely relate to that and oh, how yeah. you want to do so many things, but you just can't. And I think that's part of probably executive dysfunction. Um, but I can that's, totally relate to, yeah, there's this like, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> but that's what everybody said. I think like half a dozen people have said to me like, dude, like, yeah, that's like an executive dysfunction thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So like, uh, so I, I guess what she's talking about for a little bit of context is, is on points I espoused on my opinion of, I sometimes consider my brain to be a different entity than mm -hmm. myself. Right. Um, uh, like okay, like earlier today, I was talking to uh, the same friend who uh, shout out Ursa who uh, complimented uh, Cabin in the Woods, and I was talking about uh, how I got uh, my stage name Jake Stevenson. It's like a change of Jake Stanzak, aka Killed the Noise. And she was like, "Oh, like Killed the Noise's album came out like two weeks ago." And I was like, "Yes, I am aware. I." suck at listening to any new music i just listen to the same like dozen spotify playlists like no matter how like i can't listen to any new music like is that no a matter comfort how thing much, i guess so because like no matter how much i want to listen to new music i just can't like kill the noise ha ha has an album halion has an album like annie yvette has like 500 different singles i haven't listened to like everybody has stuff i haven't like Madion has love you back i still haven't listened to that like everybody's got new stuff that i really want to listen to of artists that i really love and i just can't but like i want to mm -hmm. but i can't bring myself to like, I think like it's I a comfort to. thing because you know what? I know that they have done research that says it was probably some dumb article I read but <laughs> that people watch the same television shows over and over again as a source of comfort. But that makes total sense. 
you know, you because yeah. of the the level of predictability, you know that there's going to be a specific ending. And when it comes to life, there's just so much unknown, which can cause anxiety. So I think my theory is that maybe you just like listening to the same music over and over again, because of the predictability and the comfort that it gives you. But I'm uh, not a so doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, okay, even even like I haven't been to like shows like at all in, in, in this so far this year, because every time I buy a ticket to a show, you know, like near me in Philly, I end up deciding to not go the day of because I just get super anxious, even though it's an artist that, you know, I've wanted to see for like five, six, you know, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, this is my chance to see him. And then I just buy a ticket and I just don't go. Yeah. Like, Do you think maybe it, it's it like social anxiety or... I don't know because like, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's annoying, but I, I hope, I hope, I hope to break the streak because Maddion's playing in Philly, uh, like late October. So mm-hmm. I hope to at least go to that. Cause like, there's a bunch of other, like BTSM's coming back. So nice. King's coming back. Death's dynamic shroud is coming back. Like there's a bunch of like Philly shows in October that I want to go to, but I at least know that like top of the line is Maddion, if nothing mm-hmm. else. Um, so I hope to, I hope to go to that. Um, you should. I'm going to challenge you to go. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally get it. I think, too, we go in phases where we need to be a hermit. And I think that's part of the creative process. And, you know, I haven't been to, oh, man, I haven't been to a show since March, actually. I went to see... I forget. I'm having a brain fart. Oh, wait, yeah, no, that's... I went to see, it was February, I went to the Rechno. I went to see Rechno. House Mafia MSG show, and then March, like, 4th, I went to Peggy Goo in Brooklyn. Oh, Those nice. Those are the shows I've been I'm jealous. Those I want to see Peggy Goo. But yeah, no, I saw Rechno out at the Concourse Project in Austin. That was the last show I went nice. to, and I've been in hermit mode. And then, of course, I was set to go to Bass Track this weekend, and I was super excited uh-huh. about that, but it got canceled. Because Mother Nature is festivals. It's the cue for everybody to just stay the fuck home and in your pajamas is, and is, be cozy. Is EDC Orlando is EDC Orlando going to have another hurricane this year? Like, oh, I know. What's going on? Yeah. Do you have any friends that went to Izu? Because I mean, you're right in that no. area. Nobody. Well, like I have like tw- you know like Twitter friends mm-hmm. and Twitter acquaintances and stuff, yeah. but like. What a shit no show. one that I talk to with any sort of intense regularity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just been kind of a bad time lately for festivals. And I think that Izu kind of exposed that the scene is getting too big and too commercialized and they're not managing their growth properly. And it's just kind of really well, tainting the beauty of it. Yes, but also that's just avant-garde and are finally being exposed for the right. overselling Poor which is they management are. basically um yeah that's like kind of a separate issue but also mm-hmm. i i do agree with you and that like you know like coachella for example used to be this like coachella. thing where it's like oh it's different you can go <laughs> you can go to this and now it's like you know you only get in if you're like fucking rich as hell or, yeah. or a celebrity you're an influencer like this, top dog, this luxury thing and it's like come the fuck on like what yeah like, no, it kind like of taints like, it a like, little bit, I think, because it becomes more about the superficial parts of it, yeah. you know, the fashion and the, of course, all that's oh, fun. God, yeah, I'm, no, absolutely. I'm like, not against having I'm, fun. I'm not the fun police. I, I just think no, that no, no. it loses the integrity of why are we going to these events? We're supposed yeah. to be going to enjoy the music and for the sense of community that it brings. And it's starting to get diluted. So that's just my had, personal I've opinion. Such a, I've had, I, I agree with you. I've had such a push and pull over the years with like different like Twitter, like acquaintances and stuff. Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, you know, you, you're, you're really nice and cool. And then it's like, oh my God, the 500th, you know, festival, you know, outfit photo. Like, do, like I get that you're hot, but like, oh my God, can you focus on anything? Like, I, people probably <laughs> think I'm, re- people probably think I'm really annoying because like, I, like, if I'm like in a bad mood, if I like get drunk or whatever, and I'm on Twitter, I just like, 
fucking spew oh, no. words. It's like, Uh-oh, it's like drunk tweeting. Like, oh, fuck. Oh. <laughs> drunk like, tweeting is never a good idea. <laughs> people probably, yeah, no, yeah, no, seriously, take it from me, like, being drunk and on Twitter is not a good combination. No. Like, if you get, like, do yourself a favor, if you get drunk, just, like, chill and watch The Simpsons. Like, seasons one and two, just chill. Right. Like, don't go on Twitter. Take it from me, please. Yeah, PSA, <laughs> no drunk tweeting. <laughs> That was well. That was basically the context for points because uh, I spent like a week like not taking like my medication or anything, and then I got drunk one night and then spiraled on Twitter for like six hours, oh and like everyone God. was like everyone was like really concerned, and then like the next morning I woke up, got inspired, and then the next day I did points. So like that was kind of how. So, well, like, don't, yeah. Don't, there you go. The pain was the catalyst again. Twitter. Do not. Yeah. Well, next time I think you should reach out to me instead. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm really glad that you got idea. points out of yeah. it, though. And uh, back to that, I love at the end when you talk about, you know, your purpose for doing it and just the fact that there's so much vulnerability and sharing all of these difficult feelings that we have. And I can relate to that, too, because I talk about some really, really personal stuff and I could look at it as, well, shit, this is really embarrassing. I'm outing myself with all of these really deeply personal things. But the whole point of it is to let people know that they're not alone, which is exactly what you talked about. And I just love that so much because, you know, behind closed doors, a lot of us are suffering and you can't really tell that on the surface. And it's just so comforting to know that other people are totally wackadoodle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, like, and it's also, okay. There's also, that di- there's also that dichotomy that exists too, because like I, for like I, multiple times over the last like five years, like people can probably attest to this firsthand where it's like, you know, I'm feeling wackadoodle and spiraling and like, you know, people want to hear that they're not alone, but people don't want to see that they're not alone through someone going wackadoodle on their Twitter feed and spiraling. Mm-hmm. Like people want to hear it, but they don't want to see it. Like it's yeah. a really weird dichotomy. And I've done that, you know, like a, a number of times. So like that, like, uh, I mentioned a couple of times during points of the two different documentaries, but I don't think I ever actually named them. So, oh yeah, the one, no, thanks for reminding one, me. I wanted to ask you about that. The, the first one, the first one that I watched that I got inspired to take the cover photo, uh, actually has a clue in the cover photo. It was a uh, look at me XSX Tentacion on Hulu. Um, uh, I'm actually wearing the hat, the like 17 hat because 17 by him is like one of my favorite albums of all time. Mm-hmm. And that, that's cool. That, I didn't know album, you like that album, that album as a whole and the vulnerability and just that, that raw vulnerability, the, to establish a conversation with your thoughts essentially. And to uh, have that be a presentation of that. You are not alone. Like that was, I was like, I want to make my own version of that. Like I can't, produce you know that kind of stuff for anything so i might not be able to do it musically but i might be able to do it you know just talking um and then the other documentary i watched on the day that i actually recorded points like i actually paused it like halfway through to record points for an hour was uh everybody's everything little peep um those two are like i really love both those documentaries and i've seen them before um, but every time I rewatch them, I always get inspired in a way that only those documentaries make me inspired. And mm-hmm. in the past, I would always confuse the inspiration for creating something musically, not creating something auditorily. So once I had that eureka, I was like, oh, I can just talk and I can, I, this can be my way of, you know, vulnerability and thought conversation and, and showing that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I, you know, had like, the idea for the points cover was just an image in my head. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put this on, I'm going to put this on, I'm going to go back up against this wall, I'm going to get this, and I'm going to ask mom to take a picture of me. Um, <laughs> so thanks, so that's what happened. Like, it was literally like, yeah, thanks, mom, because it was literally like the day she was leaving or something. And I was like, hey, mom, can you do me a favor and take a picture of me real quick? And uh, she, you know, put up with me with, you know, doing various poses of whatever I thought would present the image I had in my mind. And actually the the very opening track of, of points is the audio from the video she recorded during the photo shoot. So that's why it starts off like with a random, you know, 
distant ramble of me mm-hmm. is because that was literally the audio from the video during that photo shoot, which is why that's like, it's it's the like prologue track because it is the prologue because it is literally like the set piece of the cover and the set piece of the album to start it out with. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad you like points because that was definitely something that I... That was a departure from what I had previously done, but that was something in concept that I had always wanted to do. Um, and, no, that's great. Uh, you found a new I'm, medium to express yourself, which is kind of, I'm almost wanting to go in the opposite direction because I'm already doing podcasting and I so want to venture into music production. I mean, it's been on my mind for years, uh, but definitely one thing at a time. <laughs> Focus yeah. is an issue. But um, so, no, you're kind of inspiring me to want to dabble in uh, music production. Thank you. Um, I can I can try to give you some sort of tips or something. Um, there's so I guess the first thing that you have to know isn't even like what the first thing you know about producing is. It's what the first thing you know about the context of producing is. Um, there's a bit of a push and pull between being a music producer and being a DJ. Oh yeah. Uh, there's you know during like the like making night days one through four like there was a lot of push and pull of like you know i was making all these virtual sets and all these people around me were you know like playing not just the virtual sets for night days but also like getting booked and like playing actual shows and there were just like all these friends were like supporting me it's like dude like you know get your own like controller and like play all these shows and i was like nah like i'm just gonna focus on making my albums and production and like do that like you don't have to start out being a dj to then transition and being a producer you can start out you you can not focus on djing you can focus on producing and that's a perfectly viable way to start Mm -hmm. um i started out you know um planning out mashups and edits like replacing this sample with this funny sample and just doing that and for a few years and then um, I had GarageBand, so I started out uh, with like different Apple Loops and like different like MIDI like sound patches and stuff that were like stock in GarageBand. And then uh, I tried out Ableton for like two years, and it was awful. And I've only made like literally one good track on it. And uh, <laughs> wait, it was so what awful. do you use now? Logic Pro. Logic Pro. Um, okay. Logic Pro is if you spend two hundred dollars on GarageBand to give it a billion bells and whistles. That's basically what it is. Um, it's like GarageBand, but you can like then like you can pay two hundred dollars and like turn on like a bunch of different options or turn on only a few options mm-hmm. of like extra features essentially. Like I think why I bought Logic Pro in the first place was because Logic Pro has way better strings uh, for orchestral stuff than GarageBand, and I was finishing up World Problems at the time, like the whole Lightbringers album. So I was like, I need better strings. I can't do this with GarageBand strings. So. I use Logic Pro and I've just been using Logic Pro uh, ever since. I did it with Skeleton Dome and then, you know, different stuff and, you know, just took off from there. So I've been using Logic Pro. Um, but like another thing about another point about music production is that it doesn't have to be. I mean, well, I take this with a grain of salt because <laughs> so my albums, whether it's Recovery or Seven or Identity or Seabreeze or Seabreeze sequel, uh, tends to feature uh, what's called Plunderphonic Vaporwave. Vaporwave as a whole is not, you know, plunderphonic. It's it can be you know original stuff. Uh, okay, you know, so like, what uh, what is plunderphonic? <laughs> plunderphonic is technically illegal because mm-hmm. uh, it's sampling but taken to the extreme. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, the opening track on Seabreeze called Enchanting is the piano solo through to the end of Halsey's Forever is a long time. Not really. Uh, different stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes uh, whether whether it's, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't think I can, you know, if I have an idea for a concept that is executed in a track and I don't think I can do it justice with uh, production, you know, in world problems stuff or, you know, whether it's just, you know, this concept of this track can be executed best with this sample and doing this to make it feel like this instead. That makes like, sense, yeah. Yeah, like it's... Uh, it's kind of a joke uh, of the phrase sampling is God and copyright is joke, but that's kind of an ethos for me, honestly, because like it's technically illegal. It's it's copyright Mm -hmm. essentially. Like even people as big as death's dynamic shroud have to be like careful with what they 
put out and what they draw attention to and what they release and what they, you know, do with anything. Um, but, and like most vaporwave acts I've seen in person in Philly don't even, I think I've seen one Thunderphonic set in total in the years that I've seen like different vaporwave shows, but like, I'm still like, you know, doing it, doing it in my corner, like making my little Thunderphonics. Like, you know, like there's so much more to production than just producing. And that concept extends to the albums I make. So that's why Seabreeze has like different audio clips that seem that they aren't musical and seem completely unrelated. And then Seabreeze sequel takes that step even further by having me, you know, speaking for five tracks or having, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, this sample from this movie or this sample from this YouTube video or this, you know, kind of expanding your range. Like it's, it's not a music album strictly. It's an audio album. And like, there's so much broadening that you can do. Um, no, I kind of get the concept. What scope that you're comfortable with? Yeah. No, based and on our free, last conversation, it feels great it. to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see it as a. I mean, well, obviously, all albums are a work of art, but the way that I see it is, it's a different type in the way that everything is conceptually tied together, and you're yes. taking different components from different artists which i mean you could argue back and forth about it but what i took from it was that you are changing its original structure so much to the point where it's merely unrecognizable right so technically is then it it really goes into a gray area because it's like are you really stealing it if it's not most people don't <laughs> care how the music is made. They just mm-hmm. care how it sounds. Like yeah. I've played, I've played some of my songs when I back in you know my 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 job two two jobs ago. You know, in the streetwear store in the mall, and I'm playing you know my plunder to these people, and they're like, "Yo, this is this is nice." I'm like, "Thank you." Like they like people don't care how you make it. Essentially, mm-hmm. they just care how it sounds. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, the, so that's part. I think uh file under records pointed this out in their seabreeze review but like i don't make 500 different versions of seabreeze and seabreeze sequel for profitability i make it because each version depending upon what tracks are put in or in which order they function as their own unique albums because they create different narratives and the more tracks you add at different points is another is more points that shift the narrative of the concept of the album Mm -hmm. um that's why, you know, there's like three versions of Seabreeze and three versions of Seabreeze sequels so far. Like, just they feel like different albums because they're essentially made to be. They're, they're they are um, composited, I don't know, to, to be different albums, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just uh, in what you sample determines can determine the concept or sound even of an entire album like my my debut album recovery which still gets like the most streams is literally just me sampling the smooth jazz that i listened to in the hospital and i was recovering from my double corrective jaw surgery three years ago Mm -hmm. um my album seven is me revamping sonic of the secret rings soundtrack tracks uh beyond the starbox is me revamping super royal galaxy soundtracks right Um, so each album has a concept based on like a particular time in your life and a theme identity is me processing you know the trauma that i experienced at the hands of my father by like different like components whether it's like imagine dragons or tournament pilots or like sid meyer's pirates or like different stuff like that mm-hmm. um seabreeze is uh different samples you know uh surrounding or adjacent to my time with leia and seabreeze sequel takes that to the nth degree um because even the audio interludes in seabreeze sequel have like a very narrative purpose and like different things and like so it's every album of mine is essentially a concept album um, yeah, no, as an artist, I, just I understand it, I, it. I just, I create and I, I, I'm facilitated better to create whatever it is that uh, helps me process and helps me heal, not just by making these albums, but by doing it how I make it with like Blenderphonics and sampling. Mm-hmm. So it's very therapeutic in a way. Yes. Of course, right? That's literally how, it's literally like the main avenue of how I've been processing mm-hmm. like everything yeah no i mean it's just the process of creation is a way to alchemize pain and grief and anxiety right 
So no, that makes yeah. total sense to me. I don't know if it would make sense to everybody else, but I think if you're an artist, <laughs> yeah. you can get the general concept behind it. Yeah. But I love that. So I wanted to ask you, what was the most magical show that you've been to? Music related. Like ever? Yeah, like, like ever. In, in all of time. Like, yes. Yes. What was I the mean, most magical experience that you've had? I mean, that's tough because if we're going on like experience and not whole shows, like that's tough because like. Okay, well, I mean, let's do one of well, each. Let's go one based on music, like the I'd actual say, say, set itself. whole show. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, the best set I've ever seen uh, to this day was Skrillex uh, at Hijinx 2019. Mm-hmm. um i'm so that jealous was probably still my still my favorite set uh as wasn't far as that, like, wait who, who else was there wasn't it um fred again Porter robinson Porter robinson was immediately before him to to put it like that was the first time i saw both of them and mm-hmm. that was how good skrillex was because he followed up Porter robinson and that was just like damn my god like that was insane um Pangborn house mafia on the floor of Madison Square Garden, that was pretty cool. I have a blurry picture with Fred again. That, that was that was cool. Um, oh man! Like they like my cousin slash honorary big brother surprised me with like floor tickets uh, to that show, and nice. we just made a whole weekend out of it. It was that was insane. I mean, as far as experiences go, I mean, I've met artists, and I've like like there's a track on Seabreeze that's just uh, edited. Uh, audio of me meeting Getter uh, for the first and only time because I saw him, you know, whenever it was like like, like a year or two ago, and uh, I was like center rail, and I brought my visceral vinyl, and I don't have it on video, but because my phone got corrupted or whatever, uh, which is why only that part of the audio exists. But like before that, he was like, "Hey, you up front with the visceral vinyl? This one's for you." And then he just played "Best of Me." And then after the show, um, one of his, like, I think I, like, talked to, like, one, what ended up being one of his security people or whatever because they went back up, came back down, and they're like, all right, come with me. And then they walked me up, like, three flights to, like, the green room where Getter was just chilling. And I, like, I got my vinyl signed. I got to have a picture with him. I got to talk with him for, like, five, ten minutes. And That's so that, amazing. Like, that, <laughs> the EDM gods smiled upon you. <laughs> Yeah, so like the track, there's a track on Seabreeze. Actually, there's multiple tracks on the, the track on Seabreeze is literally just audio from me meeting Getter, and there's another track on Seabreeze where it's audio from me meeting Maddion. and there's just like different stuff. Like it's I've had so many. I've just been blessed with so many like amazing experiences. Like uh, like even even my very first show that I went to. So uh, 2013 was when I started like getting into electronic music with Forza Horizon 1, right? And it became pretty quickly, it became pretty clear pretty quickly to my entire family that I loved electronic music. I, I was, this was something that my family had never had to deal with before. And they gave, and they <laughs> had to deal they, with. <laughs> they, no, no, no. Because they, I, I was, so I, I, I was born in micro premium. I was born at 23 and a half weeks. So my brain is literally like less developed. So they were worried about the effect that, you know, if I was going to go to raves, they were worried about the effect. Oh, what if someone, you know, slipped me a drug or whatever, of you course. know, would that kill me? Would that kill me? Would that turn me into a vegetable? Like, or would you just have worried. a great time? So they basically were just like they basically were just like, hey, uh, you can either continue playing Forza Horizon and uh, not go to raves, or you can go to raves but never touch that game again. And I chose the game as opposed to the raves, so I wasn't allowed to go to raves for like six years. Uh, so I just eagerly absorbed like different stuff and different sets and and different things. And then 2019, uh, said cousin slash honorary big brother and I went to see Feed Me with Teeth in Philly. Uh, like June 2019 and we pulled like which in and of itself like Feed Me had a track on Forza Horizon 1 so that was a nice full circle moment it was with Teeth which is like insane that I was there at all to see that stage for myself uh, like I'm a huge Feed Me fan and then so we pull up uh, to the venue like Theater of the Living Arts because we have we just pull up alongside the venue because our Airbnb is like literally directly across from it, and we just park our car and chill for like five seconds, and then a truck pulls up right alongside us, and we're just like, all right, what's going on? And 
a dude walks out of the venue and gets in, in, in gets in in this truck, and I'm like, dude, that's feed me. <laughs> like it was the side it was the side of his face, but I know that face anywhere. And so we wait like thirty seconds. He comes back out. My cousin rolls down his window and he goes like, "You're gonna kill tonight, man." And and you know, feed me stops like turn like leans in. He's like, "Oh yeah, yo, thanks guys. Like that's really nice of you." And I just can't say a fucking word. Like I'm just starstruck. Uh, I I don't even think I made like sounds. I was just like mouth agape, like <laughs> like like decked out in my like I like my feed me hat, my feed me shirt, just like wide eyed, like just that, like literally like before I went to my first show, like that should happen. Like I've just been so blessed throughout the years to have experiences like that, and to like like that was just luck. But like other thing and but other things like when I met Maddie on, like that was just like clever planning or like mm-hmm. i got to meet i got to actually meet kill the noise and talk with him for like an hour plus because i just showed up early and you know followed his followed all his stuff and paid attention to what he said when he said it and like different things and like some of it is planning some of it is just blessing and some of it is just luck right um, well i think it's but, indicative that you're on the right path because that stuff wouldn't yeah. happen if you weren't in alignment with the universe it's kind of like meant to be i think if you're on the right path all of these things just naturally show up for you right yeah well it's like it's like leia once said to me what's meant to be will always always find a way mm-hmm. that's so beautiful i love that so before we go i wanted to ask you what is your dream project artistically and musically with let's just imagine that you had absolutely I'd no say, limitations uh, i'd say making a movie soundtrack with tom Holkenborg. um i originally wanted so my world problem stuff is very like movie soundtrack-esque and i later after that album i bought i have tom Holkenborg's percussion that i'm trying to experiment with stuff that's actually uh Life from Fallen Leaves off of Seabreeze sequel that was made with Tom Hockenborg's percussion. Um, I originally wanted to be like the next Hans Zimmer. I wanted to work with Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer's kind of a dick. Um, I have no, <laughs> I have, I have no qualms about saying he's just kind of a dick. Like, if I'm gonna work with anyone, but like, you still like his work, wise, though, right? Oh yeah, no, I love his work. His Rush soundtrack is like probably the single greatest influence on my World Problem stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I'm gonna, if I want to have you know, like no restrictions, perfect world, want to work with anyone, dream project, it would be making a movie soundtrack with Tom Holkenborg. Mm-hmm. The man is insane. I just bought like. Well, what movies uh, has he done? Because I'm not familiar. Oh, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Batman v Superman, Deadpool, Godzilla vs Kong, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, um, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I just bought. I, I can't remember what I bought. Some piece of equipment from his personal collection, and he even signed it on the back. So, like, I'm like, how do you meet all of these people? <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I, I bought it online. It oh, okay. He had he had he had a huge page, like thirty pages of like equipment pieces from his studio, and I somehow like remembered it like years later and got like the only thing that wasn't like super expensive. Uh, so I have it like in my studio, just like. I don't have any other hardware, so it's just completely disconnected, like signature side up, just like there. But like, yeah, no, Tom Hockenborg, just working with him in any capacity would be like probably my biggest dream come true. I love that. What are some of your other favorite movie tracks? Um, I mean, it's, you know, the Rush soundtrack from Hans Zimmer, Fury Road soundtrack from Tom Hockenborg. I mean, I'm also, you know, movie soundtrack and uh, like... Uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, Social Network. Like, I'm also like a, a video game soundtrack as well. So like Neil Davidge's uh, Halo Four soundtrack. Um, I mean, shit. Oh, Trent <laughs> Reznor. <laughs> I was just... a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, so I could get down with that. Trent Reznor also did the main theme for Call of Duty Black Ops Two. Who uh, Jack Wall? What? By I the didn't way, know that. Huge, That's another wild. Huge inspiration. Um, I was wondering uh, what he was up to. I was like, where did Trent go? <laughs> <laughs> um trevor morris as well he did the soundtracks for uh rain and for vikings as well um so i'm, I'm a i'm a huge soundtrack guy i like to think that's reflected in the in the world problems music that i do um or did or am trying to continue or whatever i i, I haven't released a full album with tom hokenborg's percussion yet so that's that's how you know i'm not finished with producing yet mm-hmm. 
I'm sure you'll do it. I'm really looking forward to whatever else you come up with, because I'm sure as you keep going, you'll find inspiration from random things. And, you know, just kind of like you did with points. Yeah. You never oh, yeah. know what's going to happen. And hopefully, eventually, yeah. I'll get on board and start producing my own music or possibly DJing. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. Well, I love to, I love to work with you in, in some, you know, production past year or whatever. Or, yeah. Or, or something. Um, yeah, yeah, I might no, have to I, bug you. For, I might have to bug you for some tips. Dude, no, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, feel free to bug me for tips anytime. Yeah, of course. Um, I... I, I there's been a couple of times where, you know, I'm, you know, depressed or whatever. And then I say, Oh, Seabreeze sequel is going to be my final album or whatever. But I know that's not true because, well, first of all, I know it's not true because the plan for years now has always been to make another world problems album that technically I made already because that's what the cherubim sketchbook is, mm-hmm. but that's just the sketchbook for it. Like it's not, it's not started in full capacity at all, but like, even like that notwithstanding like there's gonna be other like 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 you said with points like there's gonna be other inspirations and there's gonna be other things where it's like i don't want to count myself out completely like for good no i totally get that i assume there's gonna be something like i'm only 25 there's gonna be other things that come up that of course but i totally get when you get in a really bad space and you get depressed because you know i struggle with that as well i'm like i'm quitting i'm never doing that again and i'm like nah i'm just being dramatic i'm lying to myself because when you are a creative person that's kind of your lifeblood. You need to do yeah. that. No, to when, when you're alive. creative and you, you put your heart and soul into, you know, X, Y, Z and people, mm-hmm. you know, you can get people that, you know, oh, I really like this. So this is cool. This is your best work. Yeah. Like everyone for Siwi said it was my best work yet. But like, as far as I could tell when I was really depressed, like when I would get into those, you know, spirals or slumps, like, oh, no one's listening or no one cares. No, da, 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 da. And it's so easy to convince yourself and be dramatic and, and convince yourself that, you know, like even that notwithstanding, like if you put your heart and soul into something as a creative and then like no one cares, but then, you know, you have like, you know, half a dozen different people that you see that everyone hypes up, like that hurts. That sucks. That's mm-hmm. awful. Like, it, like, it yeah. just comes with it, the territory, though. It goes back to that I mean, vulnerability. It comes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Does. It comes. But you know what? Sometimes you got to create just for the sake of creating. Well, and there's going to be that, some that, people that yeah. love it and some people that hate it. And you can't let that get in the way. But for me, it's exactly. just like if it affects even a few people's lives and they can glean something from it and get some joy and it's affected them in a positive way, I'm like, hey, that's good enough for me. All the better for it, yeah. <laughs> and like that's a, like that's what I need to realize too, because um, all my albums are inherently self-centered because they're all based and are inspired by my experiences. So, like, of course, but I'm isn't not, that the case you know, for I'm not a majority you know, of, I'm of making them. my my dozen plunderphonic <laughs> album for anybody. I'm not gonna I'm not making it for anybody because it's based on my experiences. Like, of course, that's the case. But like, mm-hmm. you know, when when you're in a spiral, it's hard to like see past that almost it's just Mm -hmm. yeah like you know if you're inspired by something related to you then you'll create that thing for you and it won't matter what people think of it it'll just matter what you think of it Mm -hmm. um you know i i used to i remember you know only being able to listen to recovery because it was the only album of mine that i liked and i I think last year my spotify wrapped i was the most listened i was i was my most listened to artist because i was just listening to seabreeze a bunch like (laughs) It's no, just, I like, love crazy. that. No, like, I I listen you know, to my own podcast mostly just so I can you know pick it apart and criticize it. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it would be funny at the end of the year if I get to my Spotify Wrapped and they're going to be like most listened to podcast, shake that soul. I'm like, well, that's very egotistical of me. <laughs> if but, I if I listen to podcasts on Spotify, I would. I don't <laughs> even. I have a podcast episode. I, I I was interviewed on a podcast episode on Spotify, and I don't even listen to that enough mm-hmm. to like get it on my Spotify Wrapped. But I imagine I'll be listening this way more. Hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Dude, thank you for having me on. It's always nice to talk to you. You're a very lovely person. Thank you. I appreciate that. And where can everyone find you in all of your work? 
hyperfollow.com slash Jake Stevenson. I also have a Bandcamp page where you can catch points. Also, uh, State of Affairs and just general stuff uh, exclusive to it, jakestevenson.bandcamp.com. The Hyperfollow link also has like different merch sites and different things. And... uh, uh, my albums, uh, Seabreeze and uh, versions of Seabreeze sequel, uh, pre-final versions are out now. Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Bandcamp, Amazon Music, uh, everywhere. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I make Planophonics and Cinematic and even a few bass tracks. So Nice. Um, we love the yeah, bass. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. You know, Look for the pixelated yellow heart. You can't miss me except when you do. Okay, uh, perfect. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Hope, I'll put some of your. Hope y'all, uh, hope y'all enjoy my stuff. As much as you <laughs> yeah, I'll put your information in the show notes as well, so everybody can find you. So, thanks again, and hopefully, you know, maybe we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. That was so much fun. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And you can always email me feedback to shakethatsoul at gmail.com. And if you want to come have a chat with me, let me know. Also, if you love this podcast and want to help keep it going, please feel free to donate. I definitely put my heart and soul into it and would love to continue doing so. So the donation link is in the show notes. Keep in mind, I like to help talented people gain more exposure. So let's keep the good vibes flowing. Thank you so much. I will catch all of you at the end of next week as I'm doing an interview then. So until then, take care, everyone. Be kind to yourself and to others. Bye.